You're listening to episode number three. Welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Megan Swanson, former Miss Nebraska turned entrepreneur and expert pageant interview coach. And each week right here, we bring you a motivating conversation to help you discover just how to unlock the winner within you. Get ready for expert pageant interview secrets, life coaching strategies, and tons of personal development. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now, let the podcast begin. What's up, everybody? Episode three. Can you guys believe that we're already here? I can't believe it's been three weeks since we launched this thing already. January is flying by like crazy. Well, I am so excited to share this episode with you guys today because we are going to be implementing some stories, a story particularly, from one of my favorite things in the entire world. Does anyone have a guess? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Wow, kids probably don't even know what Bueller is anymore, to be honest. It's a movie, people. Well, one of my favorite things in the entire world, other than pageantry, other than music, other than all the other things, is, did you guess it? Sports, guys. Sports. Yes, pageant people can like sports too. You'd actually be really surprised. Most of my clients were former athletes or are athletes. And yeah, guys, we do it all, okay? So pageant Patty, listening. Hold on, Patty. Don't freak out. Don't turn the podcast off. I promise this will still apply to you. Other artsy-fartsy people, I promise this podcast will still apply to you. And for all the dudes who listen to this podcast, I know I already had you at sports. So I'm really excited to share the third episode with you today because I feel like this has been a really cool just month of you guys kind of getting to know some of my backstory that A, makes me the person that I am, like just for you guys to even get to know who you're listening to because I don't know where you guys are all from. You could be from America. You could be from somewhere else. You could be from West Coast, East Coast, all over the place. And I think that's what's so cool about social media and all of our connectivity today. But more importantly, I just love kind of sharing a story from my history and really trying to attach it to a principle that I either wish that I would have known in that part of my life, because a lot of you guys listening could be in that phase of your life right now. And I really just try and extract as many teachable principles as I possibly can to teach you guys these lessons before you have to go through them. And like I said, you might be going through them right now. And we've actually had quite a few responses to this podcast already, specifically about the last episode, episode number two, Overwhelmed and Overeating. And if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that because you may not even know that you're dealing with some of those things. And we gave you some really specific strategies to help you guys start to get over those things and overcome those things at the end. And I just love hearing those testimonies. So feel free, you guys, as always, to keep commenting on iTunes, subscribe, like, rate this. We would so appreciate it so we can keep bumping this up on the iTunes list and more people can get real help and real results, not just for their pageant interviews and their pageant experiences, but no matter what you're competing for or no matter what you're going for, what you're striving for right now, and today's story is going to really talk about actually a lot of that, so this will help you. Today, I'm really excited to share with you this episode called Benched, Lessons Learned from Being the Sixth Man. And does anybody have a guess as to what sport I'm talking about? Yes, of course, I am talking about 
the greatest sport in the whole world, basketball, my favorite sport ever. And there's just some really cool principles today. I'm going to be sharing with you a story from eight years ago as a senior in high school, and I'm really excited. So let's dive right into the story today. We got a new coach my junior year of high school, and I remember being so excited, you know, for change, for new leadership. And the story today is about how our expectations were not necessarily met, let's just say. And this coach of ours, even though he was a really nice guy in real life and actually a very well-loved, well-liked teacher, for some reason when he got on the basketball court, he turned into a very let's say temperamental human being. And while I do not understand why these macho macho men decide, you know what? Yes, my calling in life is going to be so I can yell at hormonal 16 year olds in the middle of a basketball practice every day. Yep, that's what I wanna do with my life. I wanna be a female high school basketball coach. While I don't understand why that seems to happen for almost every AAU or high school coach I've ever had in my whole life, that was the case. And so I'm just gonna share with you guys a couple moments that I remember from my experience. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you seven different ways that we can really help ourselves to get out of these situations if you're feeling like the sixth man. So like I said, it was my senior year and I was one of two seniors on the team. The other senior and I were, were not the best of friends. She'd actually been somebody who I had grown up with and just was not always the nicest to me. And I remember being so excited for my senior year because I was finally a senior. You know, I was on varsity for the second year. I was planning on starting and I was determined to do whatever it took to get that starting post spot. You know, I had a decent amount of stats. I was averaging like eight to 12 points per game, three blocks per game, eight rebounds. You know, I'd get double, double, double doubles every so often, which means you score over 10 points or 10 of something in more than one category. And I was just jacked. I was jacked for the year. It was also the same time as show choir season, which made things kind of crazy. But I was a senior. I was pumped. I was going to be a captain. I was ready for it. And I remember the beginning of the season started and our coach, and what I mean by our is because my little sister was on, she swung JV varsity as well because she's two years younger than me. Shout out to Allie because she's awesome and actually went on to becoming a, to become a two-time All-American basketball player in college. And she's just fabulous and amazing and talented and beautiful. And I love her if you can't tell. Side note. So when I say our team, it's Allie and I. And I remember showing up for, practice and being so excited and we long story short get to our first game and what happens I find out that the day before on our walkthrough or maybe it was the day of during our walkthrough practice coach starts to say the names so at starting point guard will be so and so okay starting two guard will be so and so okay starting three guard will be so and so and starting four which is my position will be not me. Okay, maybe, you know, maybe he's putting me as the five this week. Maybe he's putting me as the post. Okay, so starting five guard or starting five post will be, and he didn't call my name. And all these thoughts immediately came in my head. Oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I'm never going to start. He doesn't like me. He hates me. What do I do? I felt like such a failure and I wanted to start. But you know, 
at that time, I was practicing, if I'm completely honest, eight years later, at about 75% of my capacity. I remember a few specific instances, like I said earlier, because our coach had a funny way of thinking that negative reinforcement and embarrassing you in front of the rest of your team was going to somehow make you have the internal motivation to be better at basketball. And while that worked for some people, and I think that that works for a lot of high-level athletes, it didn't work for hormonal 16 to 18-year-old females. And so I'll never forget one day we were doing a dribbling drill and a footwork drill. And if you guys know anything about basketball, tall people do not have good footwork. I mean, they should. But in high school, you are not as good as the guards, not even close. So I wasn't getting this drill. My head was in the clouds. I was probably dancing or singing or something because that's what I did during practice because I was a weirdo. And I remember that he put me against our starting point guard who went on to play in college. She was very, very good. And she's like five foot two. And here I am, this lanky thing. And it was actually quite a hard drill. So she could do crossovers behind the back between the legs, whatever she wanted to do. And she was dribbling side to side. And we basically had to use our footwork from the lane almost to the end of the left side of the court, actually, horizontally side to side. And we had to shuffle our feet and get around the ball to be able to cut her off over and over from half court all the way to the baseline which is super far for those of you guys who can envision that half court. So halfway through the basketball court, all the way to the end by the hoop. And it wasn't good enough that I didn't just get it one or two times. But instead, what our coach did was he had the entire team go off to the side so they could stare at me during this during this drill. And then he threatened and said, if Megan doesn't get this in the next three minutes, then you're all going to run. And so, of course, my self-esteem is at an all-time low. I'm embarrassed as heck because I already couldn't do this drill when I wasn't tired. And he ended up making me do the drill, I think, like 12 times to where I'm crying and can't even see through my own eyeballs because I'm so mortified in front of my entire team. I remember another instance where our coach wanted to challenge us to get the ball out of the hoop on the rebound before it hit the ground. We were a very intense team. You know, we were pretty good in the Metro and he had high standards for practice. And so I remember the one time that I didn't get the rebound before it hit the ground and it happened to bounce one time. I'll never forget. Coach goes, okay, everyone, we're going to run an eight and 48. And I just want you guys to know that we're running this eight and 48 because Megan dropped the ball. This is all Megan's fault. I want you guys to know that this is because Megan let the ball hit the ground and Megan, thank you very much. We're going to run an eight and 48 now. And what an 8 and 48 is, a lot of you guys are probably familiar with 9 and 1s, but an 8 and 48 is when you have to run eight lengths of the big court. So north to south, like the big court, not the side courts where you do practice drills, the whole court. So in 48 seconds, so down and back, down and back, down and back, down and back in 48 seconds. And if you don't make it in 48 seconds, you get to do it again or you're called slow. So that was a little bit of my high school experience. And you guys can imagine that when I already know that I don't want to play in college, partially because of this coach who was not the most encouraging person in the world, and partially because I knew that I wanted to go to Nashville and pursue music, which if you guys watched or listened to episode two, you know kind of how I got there. You guys can imagine how when I already know that my dream is in the music world and I feel condemned for not wanting to play basketball in, in college, like why would I have the motivation to then compete or try as hard as I possibly can in practice if I feel like there's no way that I can actually win. If I feel like there's no way that I can actually impress this person. If there's no way in my head that I'm ever going to become a starter. And on top of that, 
when we come up to the first week of games and coach, we have a meeting with coach in the locker room, all this stuff. I find out that not only am I not a starter, but coach also didn't pick me as a captain. And I just remember the soul crushing emotions of an eight, of a 17 year old at the time and all these things rushing into my head. And I want you guys to think about that for whether you're an athlete or whether you got picked over for a job that you interviewed for, which hashtag, by the way, I can help you with, or all of my pageant women watching or listening, all my pageant women listening. How many times have you gotten first runner up? How many times have you gotten second runner up? You know, somebody that comes to mind is one of our amazing clients, Lydia Tremaine, who is your current Miss Indiana. And a lot of you guys don't know her story, but she tried forever as a teen and never won Miss Indiana's Outstanding Teen, but kept pursuing. And, you know, she found us, we found her when she was only 19 years old and started working with her and ended up winning Miss Indiana as barely a 20-year-old after, you know, getting first and second runner-up in several locals in that year. And the year before at Miss Indiana hadn't even made finals, hadn't even made top 10. She's an amazing story of what happens when you don't allow the negative reinforcement around you affect your thought life to the to the point of where you sacrifice your dreams. You stop going for your dreams. You stop saying, you know what, this is what I want and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. I think she's a fantastic example. And by the way, she just wrote a blog at the time of this recording, kind of sharing a lot of her experience and even sharing that she was the first Miss Indiana in 20 years, despite it being 2018 to win in a one piece swimsuit. And I just love that she's breaking barriers and breaking so many thought patterns about what pageantry is and what you have to look like and what you have to be. She's a fantastic example. And that's why our tagline is unlocking the winner within because it wasn't our goal to help Lydia become anything that she wasn't. It was our goal to help her realize what was already on the inside of her and to ask her the right questions and to help build the right thought patterns and the right emotional intelligence and the right belief within herself again so that she could learn how to do the self-work to realize what was already on the inside of her. But it's safe to say that as a 17-year-old, I can't say that I had that level of emotional intelligence. And so what did I do? When that first game came and I realized that I was the sixth man, I was going to be the first person off the bench, which basically means that you go in one, two, three, four, five minutes into the game. And of course, me as a 17 year old took it as a personal attack because I would go in with like one minute into the game, somebody would make a mistake and I would go in. And I'm like, man, if I'm good enough to go in with one minute past in the game so far, why won't you just start me? And I remember thinking in my head, oh my gosh, everybody in this audience is looking at me. Oh my gosh, everybody knows that I'm the, I'm one of two seniors and I'm not a captain. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody thinks I'm a failure because I'm one of two seniors and I'm not starting. And I got so fed up with it, you guys, that about halfway through the season, I remember thinking about this and mulling over and over and over in my head because I was so scared of my coach that finally one day after practice, I remember rehearsing this in my head 8,000 times. And of course, we'll talk about this a little later, but of course, when you're in high school, every bit of every moment seems like it's the biggest deal in the whole world. And I remember every single day, it seemed like my mom was like, Megan, there's life after high school. I promise you. I promise you, none of this will matter literally in like four months because I, I came to the place where I almost quit. I was so fed up. I almost quit halfway through the season. And so I remember one day I marched up to my coach and I mustered up the courage and I walked up to him and I said, coach, I'm one of two seniors. Why am I not a captain? Can I be a captain? 
And I remember he had the weirdest response. He was like, oh, yeah. And then I remember walking away like, I did it. Oh my gosh, I did it, I did it, I did it. And I, I remember thinking to myself, was, was it really that easy? But it was a big deal to me. And, and I think for the first time, that was one of the only times I'd ever stood up to somebody who is in a position of authority in a respectful way with my head on straight and mustered up the courage to make change happen. And I really showed myself like, wow, even if this isn't my calling, even if this isn't isn't something that I want to do with the rest of my life, like, wow, I just changed someone's opinion. I just asserted myself in a respectful way and got a different result. And you know what? That gave me the confidence to start practicing a little bit harder. And to make a long story a little bit less long, I ended up starting um, almost the rest of the season, about two thirds of the games after that, just by asserting myself and making myself captain virtually, because even though it was a small thing, it mattered to me and it affected my belief of myself and it affected the way that I practiced. And even though in hindsight, you know, I played pickup basketball with the guys all over all the time. And I played in college all the time. I played this thing called noon ball with all these guys. And that's how I met some of my best friends in college. And it's just so funny how your perspective grows when you're willing to just raise up your your level of sight just a little bit. You know, I always say an airplane has a much different vantage point than an ant on the ground. So I challenge you guys today, what can you do to just increase and to raise your vantage point just a little bit higher today? I promise you that it will serve you extremely, extremely well. So in closing of that story, um, I just want to say something that's kind of funny. So my sister is actually, funny enough, the assistant varsity coach now at our very high school. And there's a different coach now. And actually, our JV coach is the head coach now there who we love and was one of our favorite teachers. So I just think it's so cool that kind of from turmoil to triumph, I'm now getting to experience those games from a totally different vantage point. And by the way, my sister is an incredible coach. And I think they're number one or number two in the state right now, absolutely rocking it. And I think it's so cool just to see how God works sometimes because my sister had to endure that coach later and actually almost didn't even play in college because he didn't see greatness in her, even though we did. And my dad ended up videotaping every single one of her games and sending it out to several coaches. And like I said, my sister ended up becoming a two-time All-American and absolutely dominating in college. And so many things in your life sometimes And oftentimes people will try and steal your joy in an area that God has called you to. And whether that's a pageant or whether that's interviewing for the job of your dreams, there are going to be people sometimes close to you. And there are going to be things in your life that try and steal the purpose and the call of God in your life. And I'm here to tell you today, don't let them. Let's surround yourself with good thoughts. Keep listening to podcasts like this. Surround yourself with good people, good ideals. Make sure that you're fortified in your beliefs and your identity and your foundation, knowing your core values, waking up, speaking those things over yourself to make sure that you don't miss out on something that could bring you immense joy and take you to that next level to show yourself that you were worth it. You know, I can't tell you how many clients of mine have put themselves out there after they're done with pageants to interview for that job or, you know, ask that person out on a date or whatever it takes, put themselves out there. And it has absolutely paid dividends in terms of them just believing in themselves because they took one step just to prove to themselves that they were worthy of that and that they could do that. I've had clients get jobs that they never thought 
that they would even interview for. And they've changed more than in the time that we ever worked together just because we had to work so heavily on that belief of themselves that gave them the catalyst, the the belief in themselves that they could even go do that. And it's so cool to see sometimes even a year or two later that those things all come together and those things click and that person's personality and confidence and self-assurance is like night and day. And I'm like, dang, where the heck was this when you competed in a pageant? But you know, sometimes it just takes time because life knocks you down and I have no way of knowing. Sometimes you have no way of knowing how much in the red you actually are on some of these core beliefs about yourself. So in closing today, I hope you guys were encouraged by that story. And I want to kind of tie all this together and let you know seven things that I learned from that experience of being the sixth man. So number one, I learned how to persevere and how to ask for what I wanted. And since primarily you guys are all women listening to this podcast, I we all know that in society, it's just a lot harder and not always the most socially acceptable thing, although it's becoming more socially normal for women to assert themselves appropriately and ask for what they want. So I'm here to tell you, go ask for what you want today. And like I said, halfway through that season, I got so fed up. It's so interesting to me to constantly be weighing in life if you can kind of raise your level of awareness to this. The only reason why we ever don't do something is because the benefit of it happening out doesn't outweigh the cost that it will take to actually choose to do that, right? We have to choose that. It's like a, the risk reward thing. We have to choose that the reward or the benefit of giving up whatever the cost, the sacrifice, the risk is, is bigger than the actual obstacle that's currently in our way. And so when I finally mustered up the courage to ask to be the captain, it affected the rest of my practice and actually my performance in games. And then it ended up paying out dividends, which gave me happiness, which gave me you know, self-confidence and joy. And it made my whole senior year better when I was ready to quit. And you guys, I think it's so interesting how when we have leaders or maybe a boss or maybe a local director in your life, I think sometimes it's really easy to take things personally, but backing up from the circumstance, what I've realized now is that, you know, even though my coach wasn't perfect and even though he yelled at us and even though he pushed us really hard, you know, I think a lot of times people actually push us just to see if we really care and just to see if we'll react. You know, if I actually care about something, I should have an emotional response. I shouldn't respond with apathy, right? If, if my coach now in hindsight saw somebody like me with all the potential in the world or some potential, you know, whatever, I don't want to say too highly of myself, some potential, and they saw me not using it, they're going to use the best way that they know how to try and get me from point A to point B. And I think a lot of times, specifically males, but coaches in general, yeah, they're going to yell at you. Yeah, they're going to point you out. Yeah, they're going to expose you. And while it sucked at the time, and I totally took it personally, Maybe that was just his way of caring. Maybe that was just the best way that he knew how of, hey, this worked for other people, so maybe this will work for Megan. I'm gonna try and push her because I want her to have the end result that I know that she wants for herself. I just didn't even know how to get there. So number two, (laughs) it made me so unmoved by failure, you guys. And again, we all have our moments, but when I heard no or I was rejected or I wasn't picked first so many times, it made me more resilient towards other people's opinions of me and all these different things regarding the theme of failure. And I learned to not make the time, mental time, emotional space, any of that 
for being moved by those things. And number three, it not only gave me the ability to fail, but it gave me the ability to fail like a hundred thousand times. You guys, as an entrepreneur, I get the opportunity to fail every single day. As a coach, I'm constantly trying to get better. I'm constantly reading books. I'm constantly like, oh my gosh, is that what she needed today? You know, I hope that I asked the right questions. I'm, you know, there's constant second guessing because as we're on this journey to mastery, you know, we can never arrive. As a coach, as a consultant, I can never arrive even if I feel like I'm an expert in a field or I've worked really, really hard in a field or my journey as a singer, right? I never arrive. I can't ever just wake up one day and say, yep, I know everything because I believe that at that time it, it actually disqualifies me to be able to speak into anybody else's life. And so it really taught me to be a lifelong learner and to understand that just because I failed, it didn't mean that I'm a failure. And as leaders, I think it's so important for us to be able to distinguish between those two things. And it made me learn that while I was failing, it didn't mean the bad things, but it did mean that as I'm trying things, that I really should be proud of myself for that. And it did mean that as I'm giving things effort, even if they didn't turn out, that I should still congratulate myself for trying. And that was a really hard thing for me because I have high expectations of myself, but we'll talk about that in a second. Number four, it gave me an outlook that when there are immovable objects in my life, that I get to decide how they affected me, even if I couldn't decide the outcomes of other people's choices. And I think you guys can already see why this is huge. Um, but like we touched on just a little bit earlier, why does every single high schooler in the actual universe freak about everything in high school? Mom, my life is over. This person didn't talk to me. Mom, my life is over. This person gave me a weird look, right? Because their lens is right in front of their face and high school is their entire world. And I'm so grateful that my mom told me there's so much more life after high school because I was wrong and she was right. Number five, therefore, it taught me that when I'm in a moment, it's so easy to only look at that thing and to let it consume you. But remember, we have to have an airplane viewpoint, not an ant viewpoint. Number six, it taught me that when my expectations weren't met, I needed to look at me first. How easy is it to play the blame game? Uh, super easy. And if you've listened to the first two podcasts, you guys have seen how I'm not perfect in this area and how it's so easy to blame everything on everyone and immediately just assume the position of a victim. But once we learn that playing the blame game actually doesn't serve us, but it sets us up for emotional turmoil and other just really nasty mental thoughts within ourselves, thoughts of self-doubt, thoughts of I'm not good enough. You guys, let's just throw that away and learn that we can set our own expectations and learn that I need to start with me saying, you know what? My coach might have yelled at me, but also at the end of the day, I was not trying hard enough and I was thinking of singing songs and I was doing pirouettes in the middle of basketball practice. And guess what? That is not 100% effort. So we need to learn together. Let's learn together to set our own expectations and let's control whether we meet our own expectations or not, because we can. We control whether we're crushed by those expectations. We control our own point of view and our own perspectives. And we control how we let the actions of others affect our thoughts 
about them, about things, about our circumstances, and about ourselves. And finally, you guys, I learned that sometimes people suck, but that doesn't mean that I suck or that I have to idly just stand by and let life happen to me. You guys, in high school, I let all the people who hurt me, who made fun of me, who exposed my weaknesses, rule my life in high school. I remember walking past certain people in the hallway and just cowering in fear and having just mental thought attacks because I didn't know what I believed about myself and what I didn't and what was true and what wasn't. So I hope that podcasts like today, you guys can help you reset your expectations and learn how to take back control for when circumstances aren't the best. And to understand that you can ask for what you need, that you can learn to not be afraid of failure and to learn to delineate between failing in circumstances and understanding that that doesn't make you a failure. It actually makes you really strong for trying. So no longer are we going to compare ourselves to other people, you guys. I want you to feel empowered. I hope that this empowered you to see yourself on a new level and to understand that no matter who you are, all of us are going to go through things. All of us are going to be the sixth man sometimes. And it's okay because you're in control of your thoughts. You're in control of your emotions. You can empower yourself to achieve whatever dream that you guys want to achieve. And I hope that this helped you with that today. So that's it for today, you guys. I'm so excited for episode number four. Feel free to go back to episodes one and two on iTunes. They will teach you a lot. And as always, comment below. Today, I would love to hear your guys' sixth man experiences or some other funny stories from high school. So with that, we'll see you next week and talk soon. If you're ready to take your pageant life to a whole new level, make sure to join us in the Powerhouse Inner Circle, where personal development meets pageantry. Each month, for less than the cost of one coaching session with me, you'll get all my best coaching strategies through two live group coaching sessions, a companion guide to make it stick, and a community to grow with during your pageant prep. Head on over to powerhousepageantry.com forward slash inner circle to learn more and to see if there's a spot for you. Finally, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I know life is busy and that you may be listening on your commute, at the gym, or while cooking in between classes. We love helping you unlock the winner within you. And if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe. If this episode really hit home for you, don't hesitate to let us know on Instagram by screenshotting this episode and sharing it to your story or by texting it to that one friend who really needs to hear this. It's all about spreading sisterhood and helping other powerhouse women like yourself grow. And remember, if you're ready to go all in on your pageant prep and to link arms with other achievers who want to win their pageants and win in life, our powerhouse inner circle could be the place for you. For questions, to work with us, or for topics you'd like us to cover, email info at powerhousepageantry.com and we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.